This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for September 28, 2014. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 23 through 32. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Today's Gospel lesson has the, the parable of the two sons as an example. The, the premise of this is that Jesus had gone into the temple. Um, this is um, after Palm Sunday as a setting. And he has started teaching. So in, in our day, that would be equivalent to somebody showing up at an elementary school and start holding class you know, before the teacher gets there. And so the principal and the teacher show up and they'd say, what are you doing here? I mean, that's essentially what they're asking. Well, what authority do you have to be teaching in here? We didn't authorize this. And so he decides, well, they like, they like trick questions, so I ask someone, you know, did John baptize people because God told him to, or did he just make it up? Well, they said, well, we really don't believe he did it, but, you know, if we say that, the people will be mad because they all think he was a prophet. And so we, they said, well, we don't know. And Jesus said, well, neither then will I tell you by what authority I do. I do these things. But then he goes on <clears throat> to answer their question more fully. He says, what do you think? Anytime God says to you, what do you think? Be afraid. Be very afraid. Because <laughs> it's not going to be good. And so he said, a man had two sons. And he went to the first son and said, son, could you go out and work in the vineyard today? I need some help. And the son said, well, I'm not doing that. You'd be kidding me. And he left. And after he was gone for a while, he started thinking about it and thought, well, you know, I really ought to go do it. And so he decides, well, I'll just go on over there and get it done. So he goes over there to work. Well, the father turns to the second son, because the first one's turned him down, apparently. And he says to him, son, would you go out and work in the vineyard today? And, and the second son goes, sure, dad, no problem. But he never shows up. And then Jesus asked them, which one of these two did the will of the Father? And of course, the answer obviously is the one who went. Now, what's interesting about these two sons in this is neither one of them is really exemplary, are they? I mean, one's back-talking his dad, and the other one's being nice enough, but he, he goes and does whatever he wants to and ignores him. So it's not like either one of those people are perfect people in any stretch of the imagination. And then Jesus goes on then to throw this in. He said, you're right, it was the first. And I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, by the way, those would be the two, we would say terrorists and drug dealers or child molesters or something. I mean, we'd pick you know, two of the most despicable people in our society we could come up with. We'll enter the kingdom of heaven before you do. I doubt if it made him friends. You wonder why they crucified him by the end of the week. Um, and he says, because when John came, they heard what he said and they repented. And so they will get in. But you heard what John said and you still don't believe. So you'll never get in. And it's the difference between people who don't do things and then get it light and, and then go do it and the people who say they always get it but never do. And, and that's really the example he's giving. And I think it's a, a dire warning for, our, for the church in the 21st century today because it becomes very easy for us to become consumers of God. You know, in some ways I can't blame people because we even set it up that way, didn't we? I mean, you got like an audience, you know, and up here's where all the entertainment goes on, supposedly. Um, but, you know, and so it's very passive. And, and in our 
uh, church and in our tradition, we have we do a liturgy, which literally is, comes from the Greek word liturgia, which means the work of the people. So we make you get up and get down and get up and get down. So you at least get some exercise. But, you know, in a lot of churches these days, basically you come in, you might stand when you sing, and then you might stand for the prayer that somebody else does, and then... You know, you sit down for the message, and the only other active part in it a lot of times you have is when they pass the collection basket around to put the money in. And apart from that, there isn't a whole lot else to do. And, and so it, we have designed, even in our liturgical churches, um, this sort of passivity um, where people don't have to be involved. And yet, what we've done by do, doing that is turned a lot of people into consumers of God rather than followers of God. You know, what's our theme for this year in the church? Anybody remember? Epic. What does it stand for? Every person involved in church. We have approximately 300 adults in this church, roughly. If every adult in this church would donate 10% of the, of the average full-time work week, which would be, say, 40 hours. Um, I don't know if that's average anymore, but, um, but say it is. So that would be four hours a week that they would donate to the church, to on volunteering to do things. We would have 1,200 hours of volunteer labor to do things. Do you think we could get everything done with 1,200 hours a week? Probably. I mean, it'd be pretty easy. But that's not what happens. And in fact, what happens in too many churches is that too few people do too many things and too many people just come to church and go home. Um, and it's not that it makes them evil or bad or anything, because that's not the truth. It's just that we're cheating the people who don't become that involved. I mean, for those of you who've been involved, hasn't a, a great deal of your memories and joys of your life been the times when you spent with people at the church getting things done and, or, you know, the band, you know, playing and stuff? I mean, you do it for love. I know you don't do it for money. <laughs> um, and part of it is you build a camaraderie, you get to know people, and you feel like you're contributing and that you're, you make a difference. It matters whether or not you're a part of that. And all too often, you know, we, we cheat people out of that when we don't encourage them to become part of it. Now, I understand the, the, the reluctance on the part of people. Um, you know, it becomes very easy. You know, it's kind of like, why do they want my time? <laughs> what are they going to do to me if I get in there? Um, and, and there are lots of reasons. Like you may not have much time. Um, you may not know how to go about doing it. Um, you may not understand why it would be important. I mean, there's, there's lots of reasons, all of which wouldn't necessarily even be an individual's fault. But the problem is, is that you still end up being cheated, and it's things that later in life become great regrets. Let me give you an example. When I was in elementary school, my dad came to me and said, I'm going to make a deal with you. If you will take the garbage cans out twice a week, because we got garbage picked up twice a week, to the curb, I will pay you 50 cents a week. Now, it doesn't sound like much now, but that was in the 60s, so <laughs> it was more money then. Um, so I thought that was a great deal. The only problem is I never remembered to take the garbage cans out. And then my dad worked second shift, which means he worked from like 3 to 11. He usually got home around midnight. 